We want to welcome you to the Bible teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church, where our desire is to honor God by faithful obedience to His Word. If you want to understand the Bible better, please continue to listen as Pastor Matt Postiff explains and applies the biblical text one verse at a time. You can reach us with questions or for more teaching audio and print material at our website, fbcaa.org. You can also watch our services live at fbcaa.org slash live. We want to thank you for listening and pray that you will be edified. Join us now as Pastor Postiff opens God's Word. All right, welcome this evening. Welcome this evening to Fellowship Bible Church, and may I wish you a very Merry Christmas. I am so glad that you are here with us tonight and that we can share a little bit together just an hour to set aside to remember our Lord's birth, and uh, we are grateful for it indeed. We're grateful that Kathleen is here. I know Becky is, yes, and you're feeling pretty good now? A lot better. Well, that's good. Yeah, I think about half of humanity has some kind of virus right now, so we're uh, working through it and trying to avoid it if, we didn't, if we're one of the lucky ones that didn't get it, so yeah. All right, well, very good. Join me in prayer, please, if you would. Our gracious Father in heaven, we uh, gather today, this evening, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like many around the globe in this 24-hour period of time, and then tomorrow's as well, in which we remember the birthday of a king, we remember that Jesus Christ came, born of the Virgin Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit prior to that, and announced by the angelic proclamation of Gabriel, and then to the shepherds in the fields as they kept watch over their flocks by night. And this night, as cold as it is, it makes some of us in this hemisphere at least feel like We're a little closer to those events on that evening, although we don't know what the temperature really was there. We do know the tradition, and Father, we are thankful for uh, decent traditions that have been passed down to us. Help us to uh, enjoy the service tonight for the time that we have to remember our Lord's birth for the grand purpose of human redemption, as well as the redemption of all things to himself as he brings all things under his rule, and brings them before you. We'll thank you for it. And Lord, I pray that each one who comes here will be blessed. Each of those who are listening online will be encouraged as well as we participate tonight. Thank you for each one in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's take our hymnals. If you have a hymnal there in front of you, Uh, or under the seat that you're on, and turn to 189, please, 189. This is a uh, call to worship hymn, 189. O come, all ye faithful, calling us to come and worship the King. Let us do that this evening, 189. We'll let you be seated as long as you promise to sing out tonight, okay? And uh, loud enough that uh, the people that I am still expecting to come will hear you as they enter the door down the hall and enjoy the songs, uh, the sounds of Christmas carols rising to the throne of God. 189, please. O come, all ye faithful.
turn this one on too, 189, we're singing, O Come All Ye Faithful, verse number two, all together, verse number two, 189. One hundred and ninety-nine, please, is our next hymn, and then after that we'll be looking forward to a music ministry from Mrs. Postiff. One hundred and ninety-nine in the meanwhile, joy to the world. Joy to the world.
Naomi has a special music for us now. Let me weep while you whisper. 
Thank you for that, Naomi, very much. A very beautiful song, sung by a very beautiful voice. <laughs> okay, uh, let's turn our Bibles, if you have them, to Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. Luke chapter 2 is the portion that I've been asked to read this evening. Luke 2, 1 through 20. I, I always like to kind of give a little background to myself when I'm reading and to you as well if I have that opportunity and just remind you that Luke 1, all 80 verses of it, lays the foundation for this account. You have the angelic announcements of the birth of John the Baptist and also the birth of Jesus. You have Mary visiting Elizabeth, uh, the uh, quickening of the child, so to speak, uh, with uh, John and uh, the blessing of that. And then the, the song of Mary and the birth of John the Baptist, and then Zacharias's prophecy, or what is called his Benedictus, his good word that he shares at the birth of John in a tremendous account. But now we come to chapter 2 in Luke's historical record, and it says these words, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there was in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths. That's not the surprising part. Perhaps this is, however, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. <clears throat> but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. May God bless that the reading of his word. Let's uh, turn our hymnals then to 227, please, 227. And after this, <clears throat> uh, John is going to uh, share with us a special music with his mom. But first, hymn 227. 
right, thank you for that singing. John, we're going to invite you to come and share your music ministry now, and then we'll invite our next scripture reading after that. Next song. Uh, I'll be reading this evening from um, Matthew 1, verse 18 through 23, and John 1, verse 14. But before I do that, and I, um, on this past Sunday during the uh, Christmas program, afterwards uh, I was having refreshments with my wife and family over one of the corner rooms, and one of the ladies from Hiawatha stuck her head in the room and she's like, she said, I had a great day. She's like, I'm tired, I'm going home. I just wanted to stick my head in here and say how much I enjoyed the singing and the concert in full. 
And then she looked right at me and she said, but I wanted to especially say to you, sir, how much I enjoy the reading of the scripture. Now, Thurman had already left. And so I raised my hand to say something, and she just went on and on with all these accolades, and I just, I just didn't have the guts to tell her that it wasn't me. <laughs> so, so after she left, of course, my wife and everyone in the room just exploded in laughter. And, um, I, but I did the next day. I wrote Thurman an email, and I said, Thurman, I come from a long line of scripture readers, and I let him know what happened, that the lady uh, had... Um, I just said all the things to him that she said to me, but uh, I did enjoy it when she was saying those things. Uh, Matthew 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. John 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. second that George that was a, a fine rendition of the scripture thank you brother Dwayne for that let's turn our hymnals please to 223 223 this may be a little less familiar to some of you but we're going to give it a try here born to die 223 let's all do the best job we can singing out this hymn all four verses
We're going to invite Jansen to come and share with us the word tonight. Uh, he wanted to share the word, and I'm looking forward to what God has laid upon his heart. And after he's finished, we'll have another hymn, and we'll close up for the evening. But we're looking forward to the word, and we're not going to rush it so we can get a good portion of it. Who's up here, Adoray? Good evening. <clears throat> the uh, well-known narrative of Christ's birth recorded in Matthew 1, 18-25, which our brother Duane just read, uh, declares that all things happen to fulfill what the Lord spoke by the prophet Isaiah. And this evening I want to spend a few moments looking at Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, and some thoughts surrounding this prophetic passage. And I'll read that to you here from my copy of God's Word, Isaiah chapter 7, 14. It says here, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Of course, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, we have this added excerpt explaining what this Hebrew word Emmanuel means. It means God with us. Matthew in verse, chapter 1, verse 23, the gospel writer is referencing here this prophecy found in the Old Testament scriptures in Isaiah chapter 7, 14. And in this passage here in Isaiah chapter 7, the Lord says that he will give this sign to King Ahaz, if we look at the context around this chapter. But uh, although there is quite a bit of debate on how exactly this is a sign to King Ahaz. That's not really our prerogative this evening to look into that, but we understand the fulfillments to be found in the birth of Jesus Christ, some 400, 740 years after the sign was given by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah. And for just a few moments this evening... I would like us to ponder the significance of the fulfillment of the promise of Emmanuel here in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Now, as I said, and as Matthew, our writer, the gospel writer says, the word Emmanuel means God with us. And throughout biblical history, we see that God in various forms and at various times revealed himself through creation and through our conscience, Romans chapter 1, verses 19 and 20 tell us this in chapter 2, verse 15. And we call this form of revelation general revelation because it, it gives us just more generic information about God through the creation, the, the snowflakes and all of their design that you probably saw on your way into the starry hosts. All of these things proclaim things about God, and our conscience also reveals in us that we know that there is a creator. But God has also disclosed, self-disclosed information about himself and other forms that give us more specific knowledge about himself. And we call this kind of revelation special revelation because it gives us more specifics concerning who God is and about himself. God provides this special revelation because no observation or logical proofs of the existence of God can ultimately succeed at helping us know God intimately. 
We can try to prove through science and through observation of creation that you know, God exists, but ultimately those fail in some elements to proclaim and reveal who God actually is to be able to know him in an intimate way. And so, in order for God to, or let me put it this way, in order for us to know God in a personal manner, he had to disclose himself to us. Therefore, we depend upon God's self-disclosure to know more about him in a personal manner. And we believe that God has done this throughout biblical history at various times so that men might know him more fully and know him truly. Now, one means of revealing himself is through direct revelation, and we see this throughout the Old Testament, throughout the biblical record. God revealed himself, self-disclosed information about himself through direct revelation. The words God said and its equivalents appear in the Old Testament over 3,000 times, mostly reflecting in a an apparent audible voice that could be heard by the recipient of God's, God's word. Of course, we know from Job chapter 38, verse 1, that God spoke to Job out of a whirlwind. That would be a form of direct revelation, God speaking to a man. We've been learning from Genesis also that God spoke to Abraham on many occasions. He spoke to Moses God's servant and leader of the people of Israel. He spoke to David and prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and the others. However, even these for, this form of direct revelation had its limitations. It is only partial in content, in content, and it does not tell us much beyond the specific message that God had for that person. It had a specific purpose for a specific time, perhaps a message for the nation of Israel. So it, it was limited in content and only partially revealed things about God. It was also limited in this way. Much of what God said directly was never written down in Scripture, and therefore it is lost. Of course, many of it is written down, but there are things which God revealed to certain people that we just don't have record of. Thirdly, this kind of form of direct revelation was never available to everyone. And God no longer speaks directly to people like he did at that time. And finally, even when God did communicate with men via this direct revelation of speaking to them directly, this testimony was not available to all men at all places or at all times. And so we see here a limitation in the self-disclosure of God through direct revelation that it's not available to us today in, in, a certain, in certain ways and certain content. However, this is not the only form of direct or the only form of uh, special revelation that God gave. He also revealed himself and things about himself through his mighty acts. And we have some of these recorded in the scriptures. We see, of course, in Exodus chapter 5 and the preceding chapters and the ones following, that the plagues against Egypt successfully informed Pharaoh of the God he claimed not to know. 
You're all familiar, I think, with that account and of the plagues. Pharaoh uh, trying to, to fight against God, and yet God revealing himself through these mighty acts. Finally, very so much that Pharaoh recognized that there is a God. Another example of God doing mighty acts is in 2 Kings chapter 5, in which uh, then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God and stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. We can think of other mighty acts like Daniel in the lion's den or in the fiery furnace or some of the miracles performed through Elijah and Elisha. And so God revealed himself through a very mighty acts. And although these mighty acts did reveal things about God, they also had their limitations. They were quite spectacular in their form, but they actually were one of the most localized and inefficient means for revealing God. The revelation was accessible only to those who saw the mighty acts or heard about them. And so most of the time, the audience was very small in number. Furthermore, God's mighty acts and providence always need need an infallible interpreter to present what actually is going on in order to come to the right conclusion about these mighty acts. And without this interpreter, often a prophet of God, explaining what God was doing through this mighty act, these mighty acts were regularly misinterpreted. For instance, in John chapter 12, verse 28 and 29, the voice of God was mistaken for the sound of thunder or the voice of an angel. In Acts chapter 14, verse 11, Paul and Barnabas' miracle was misinterpreted as the Roman pantheon coming down. The significance of the Genesis flood is lost apart from Genesis chapter 6, verse 12. The significance of the rainbow, which we see today, is lost apart from Genesis 6, 12. And in fact, uh, many try to reinterpret that, or excuse me, Genesis 9, 12 through 17. The significance of the defeat of Sennacherib in the Old Testament is lost apart from 2 Kings 19, 35 through 36. And also the significance of Christ's death and resurrection is lost apart from what the New Testament tells us. And so as great as these mighty acts are, and as much as they do disclose things about God in a specific kind of manner, they too have their limitations. But what about the man, Jesus Christ? Emmanuel, God with us. God could not have revealed himself more fully than he did in the man, Jesus Christ. Matthew 1.23, which was read just a moment ago, says Christ, it tells us that Christ is called Emmanuel, or God, with us. The title Emmanuel is a prophetic title describing, in a very very real sense, the presence of God with man. 
What Isaiah 7.14 speaks about is not a figure of speech or being used in a metaphorical sense to refer to God's presence around and about his people, like this kind of idea of God is on our side, and that's simply what Emmanuel means. Of course, this is a true idea, and the people of Israel experience God's presence oftentimes around and about them through the pillar of fire during the Exodus. Also in the tabernacle and later on on in the temple, God's presence was there dwelling amidst them. And also in some sense with them in battle by means of the Ark of the Covenant. But that is not how this word and idea of Emmanuel is being used here, Isaiah 7.14, simply in a metaphorical sense as if, you know, God's there by your side. Rather, what Isaiah 7.14 refers to is a reference to a literal child, a sign of a child born of a virgin, who would be God himself and man. He would be the God-man who would make his dwelling place among men. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 tells us this, In Christ All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 tell us that in these last days, God has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through him he made the universe. It tells us this, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word. And so when Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 tells us that Emmanuel will come, it's not talking about a metaphor, but an actual man, the God-man, the one in whom the fullness of the deity dwells, the one who will self-disclose himself as the son of God and reveal to us things about himself and the father. He is the God man in whom is the radiance of God's glory. And by his word, all things are sustained. No other medium of revelation had the capacity to actually be God whether it be mighty signs or any other kind of act, none other than Jesus Christ had this capacity to be God himself. The other forms of revelation objectively and analogically explain him, but Christ actually is God and possesses a divine nature. And so we see that Jesus Christ himself is superior to all other vehicles or forms of divine self-revelation. Unlike the other vehicles of divine self-revelation, Jesus is personal, fulfilling man's greatest real need. Job chapter 9, 32-33 tells us this, God is not like me, Job is expressing his feelings about this. He says, if only there were someone to arbitrate between us, to lay his hand upon us both. 
what he desired to see and to experience was the mediating work of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 64, 1 tells us this, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. From history, man has desired to know God. And through Jesus Christ, God has been made known. Revelation 21, verse 3 tells us this, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Of course, we don't have Jesus Christ with us today in his bodily form. He is in heaven, but one day he will return. And like those who were eyewitnesses of the God-man, Jesus, we too will one day experience the very literal sense of God with us. Jesus Christ is the most perfect and complete vehicle of divine self-revelation. He is not occluded by sin and has the greatest potential to serve as a growing aggregate of divine revelation. God will always be, of course, incomprehensible after he is revealed in Jesus. And even eternity will not fully disclose all there is to know about God. There are things, the secret things of God, which we will never know. However, believers will know more of God when they see Christ. And he will be the source of all additional knowledge of God upon the commencement of eternity. But what about you and I today? We are alive some 2,000 years after Christ ascended into heaven. And although we cannot hear firsthand all that Jesus said concerning himself, we do have this. We have the reliable eyewitness accounts of all that Jesus said concerning himself and the Father. The Bible today is the greatest accessible form of divine self-disclosure in view of the absence of Christ from our midst. Furthermore, Christ promised to send the Holy Spirit who would guide the writers of the Bible, guide them in all truth, and disclose to them all that would take place. John chapter 15 tells us this. In turn, these men have written to us a reliable account of Jesus' teachings that discloses all that we need to know in order to know Emmanuel, God with us. And so, from the very beginning, we have seen that men have yearned to know God, to be able to rend the heavens and have access. And the mighty acts of God and even direct revelation failed in some sense to do that. Yet we see in the person of Jesus Christ the superior form of divine self-revelation. So I close this evening asking you this question. Do you know the Emmanuel? You may have not seen him with these eyes, but you can read of him, a reliable testimony, and you can know that God is with you. And one day, you will reign with him if you know him. 
Until that second coming, though, we await his appearance, and we continue to proclaim the message of Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that in times past you have revealed things about yourself. And in your perfect timing, as we're told in 1 Timothy chapter 2, you disclosed through your Son the promise of salvation the most superior form of divine self-disclosure, a sinless and perfect man, the God-man in whom the fullness of the Godhead dwells, Emmanuel, God with us. We thank you for that, and may we go our ways with great joy, knowing that we can know this person, this divine Son of God, Emmanuel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take your hymn books this evening, and we'll sing one more song, Silent Night, and I'll ask Pastor to come and lead us in that. One hundred and ninety, please. One hundred and ninety, if you'd turn there. Silent night, holy night. Let's close our service with this. All together in verse one.
Well, thank you all for coming tonight and participating with us. We uh, have come to the 8 o'clock hour already. One hour has passed, and we're grateful. Thank you for the word, Brother Jansen. Uh, We're talking about God with us, not just a metaphor, but the real deal, God in the flesh. Uh, The word became flesh as Duane read and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. You want to know what God is like? Well, a good, good way to look and find that out is to look at Jesus. He is just like God, or we might say God is just like him because he is God. Yes, the God-man. Father, I pray your blessing on your people. May you watch over them tonight. Grant safe passage to each and every one to our homes. Those who are online, thank you that they could join us as well. And we ask that you watch over them in their homes tonight. May their night of rest be a wonderful time. May they have, as we say often, sweet dreams, but especially thoughts of Christ and his Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.